In this episode of Flying Smarter, I'm starting out by talking about building your own connection and pilots with firearms on board. Then, I'm going to take a look at the airports of New York City. Welcome to episode 40 of Flying Smarter, the podcast that explores the fascinating world of air travel to help you become a smarter and savvier traveler. Let's get started. Should I book connecting flights on two separate tickets? When you have a connection, your flights are usually booked on the same ticket or itinerary. For example, you might have booked a ticket from Airport A to Airport C with a connection at Airport B, so your routing would be Airport A to Airport B to Airport C, with both flights being on one ticket. However, when viewing your flight options, you might have looked at the option of buying two separate tickets and building your connection. In other words, you could buy a ticket from Airport A to Airport B, and then a separate ticket, perhaps with another airline, from Airport B to Airport C. This option may be more appealing because it's cheaper, but is this a good idea? I like to call this building your own connection, as it stands in contrast with a connection built into your itinerary by your airline. There are some risks to building your own connection that you need to be aware of. When you buy a single ticket, the airline is responsible for getting you to the destination on your ticket. If your first flight from airport A to airport B is cancelled or delayed to the extent that you're going to miss your connecting flight, the airline would still have to find some way for you to get to airport C. In contrast, if you bought two separate tickets and you miss your second flight because the first one was cancelled or delayed, the second airline will essentially consider you to have not shown up for your flight and you'll most likely have forfeited your ticket. This leaves you on your own to get to your final destination. If you're fortunate, the airline for the second flight might be able to put you on standby for a later flight, but there's a good chance that you'll be stuck at airport B and on your own to get to airport C. On top of that, you can't really hold your first airline responsible because their responsibilities ended at getting you from airport A to airport B, and that's of course beyond getting any delay compensation that you would otherwise already be entitled to. The other thing with building your own connection is that if you're checking a bag, you'll most likely have to pick it up and recheck it at the connecting airport, meaning that you'll have to leave the secured area. In the case of international flights, you may also have to go through customs and immigration when you otherwise wouldn't have. That being said, there are some situations in which you may want to consider building your own connection. If you allow for enough time between your two flights, there's a good chance that you won't run into an issue. Travel hacker and budget traveler Kendall Grender also talked about the concept of positioning flights when she came onto the podcast in episode 36, which is the idea of getting yourself to another airport in order to get on a cheap flight to save money. These types of cases usually involve building your own connection and require you to leave hours between your flights to be safe. Another option is to make the connection part of your trip, and spend a day or even a night in your connection city and leave the airport to see the sights there. Airlines might give you connections that are less than an hour or two when you buy a connecting itinerary, but building your own connection with that little time is very dangerous. If you can give yourself more time though, it's a question of your risk tolerance and how much money you're saving by doing so. I really enjoy bringing Flying Smarter to you. As you can probably tell, I'm super passionate about the world of air travel, and I love sharing this passion with you. I could really use your help with growing and improving the podcast though, and I have an easy and free way for you to do so. If you enjoy listening to Flying Smarter, and have been able to learn from the podcast, please help me out by leaving a 5-star review on your podcast app. 
It helps grow the audience as well as convince prospective guests that the show is going to be worth their time to come on and share their knowledge and insights with you. If you're listening on a platform that allows you to do so, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Good Pods, I would really appreciate it if you could take a moment to leave a positive review for the podcast. Thank you so much for your support. Did you know that there are armed airline pilots in the United States? Federal flight deck officers are airline pilots who carry handguns to defend commercial aircraft against terrorism and other criminal activity. While on duty, they are considered federal law enforcement agents while inside their airplane. The program is run by the Federal Air Marshal Service and requires pilots to undergo a selection process including background checks. Selected pilots undergo training at a federal facility that includes firearms training, medical and legal training, and more. They are also required to undergo requalification on a regular basis. That being said, you won't really see a pilot carrying a gun though, as outside the flight deck they're required to keep their firearms locked up. New York. The Big Apple, the Empire City, the city that never sleeps. The most populous city in the United States and one of the most well-known cities in the world is home to over 8 million people, and it's also home to three major airports. John F. Kennedy International Airport, or JFK, LaGuardia Airport, and Newark Liberty International Airport. I love visiting New York and for those traveling to or from the city, you have some choices when it comes to airports. In no other city in the US do you have three major airports so close to the downtown core. In this main segment, I want to take a look at the three airports and see how they compare. When I first started preparing this segment, I was planning on talking about one airport at a time, but then I figured that it would be better to compare each airport in different categories. I didn't want to talk about the ease of transportation to and from Newark, and then 10 minutes later cover the same thing for LaGuardia, as that wouldn't be all that helpful in terms of comparison. So what I'm going to be doing is taking a look at three broad topics and compare each airport in each area. I'll be exploring the airlines and destinations for each airport, transportation to and from the airports, and finally, the facilities and amenities offered at each one. If you're flying into or out of the New York area, there's a good chance that you'll have some degree of choice on which airport you'll use, especially if you're flying domestically. That being said, you sometimes may not have much of a choice when it comes to which airport. Let's start by taking a look at the airlines that serve each airport and the destinations that these airlines connect them to. John F. Kennedy International Airport is the busiest of the three and sees the most international travelers of any airport in the United States. Of the big three U.S. carriers, Delta Airlines and American Airlines both have substantial operations at JFK. JetBlue has a fairly large presence at the airport as well. These three airlines, along with Alaska Airlines and Hawaiian Airlines, connect JFK to pretty much every major international airport in the United States. United doesn't fly to the airport, but has served it in the past. As the busiest international gateway for air travel in North America, JFK offers a plethora of international flights. American and Delta both offer a ton of international flights to destinations such as Athens, Milan, and Tel Aviv, and JetBlue has also started flying transatlantic routes in recent years. If you can think of an international airline that serves New York, chances are it flies to JFK. JFK is a world-famous airport in part due to its status of the international stage as a global destination. 
I think part of the glitz and glamour that's sometimes associated with JFK is due to the fact that it serves New York City, but the airport's large array of international airlines also makes it a big deal. Unsurprisingly, you'll find flights on British Airways to London Heathrow and London Gatwick, flights on Air China to Beijing, and flights to KLM to Amsterdam. But want to go to Nairobi and Kenya? Well, Kenya Airways offers flights to JFK. Or looking to get to New York from the capital of Uzbekistan, Tashkent? Uzbekistan Airways offers a flight a few times a week. From the deserts of the Middle East to the islands of the Azores, JFK has flights that will get you there. And the airport isn't just a global hub for passenger travel. At facilities that are in the north and the west of the passenger terminals, around 25 cargo airlines serve the airport. It's a major connecting point for trade between the US and Europe, and the airport's cargo complex is even designated as a free trade zone which means that commercial goods receive the same customs treatment as it would if it were outside the U.S., an arrangement that helps promote business and trade flows. Moving on to LaGuardia Airport, which in contrast to JFK is pretty much the opposite of an international gateway. It's the smallest and the most centrally located of the three airports, with the closest ground transportation options to Manhattan. The airport generally only accommodates narrow-body or single-aisle aircraft and has no customs and immigration facilities in its terminals. This means that with the exception of a few routes from airports with pre-clearance in the Bahamas and Canada, the airport exclusively serves domestic routes. For more on pre-clearance including what it is and why it exists, take a listen to the first part of episode 23. The Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, which owns and operates all three airports, also implemented a rule back in 1984 that still exists today called the Perimeter Rule. The Perimeter Rule bans flights to and from LaGuardia Airport over 1,500 miles, with the exception of flights on Saturdays and flights to Denver, Colorado. The rule was put in place in an effort to reduce overcrowding at the airport and to force longer flights to Newark and JFK. What this means though is that you generally won't find flights from LaGuardia to destinations further west than Denver. In the eastern US though, LaGuardia has destinations to most major airports. The airport is served by a slate of US mainline and low-cost carriers including the Big Three, as well as Frontier, Southwest, and Spirit as of the time of publication of this episode. Canadian carriers WestJet and Air Canada also connect the airport to a variety of Canadian cities. On the other end of town lies Newark Liberty International Airport. It's the second busiest of the three and is situated in the state of New Jersey. The big three all fly to the airport, but United by far has the largest presence. Newark is a massive hub for United and the airline connects the airport with destinations across the US and around the world. A number of international airlines also operate at the airport, including Air India, British Airways, and Lufthansa, with many of these carriers also serving JFK. However, there are also some airlines for whom Newark is the only airport that they serve in the New York area. As of the time of publication of this episode in July of 2023, these airlines include Porter Airlines from Canada, and French Airlines La Compagnie, and French B. US carriers Spirit Airlines, Alaska Airlines, Allegiant Air, and JetBlue also each have multiple routes from Newark. On the cargo front, Newark is the New York area hub for UPS and FedEx's air operations. So as you can see, where you fly and which airline you're flying with affects which airport you'll be using in New York. If you're flying domestically within the United States, you'll pretty much always have a choice between two, if not three, airports. When you're flying internationally though, there might not be as much choice, especially if you want to fly non-stop. 
When you do have a decision to make between the airports though, one of the other factors that you'll want to consider is how you'll get to and from the airport, and that's what I'm going to look at next. JFK Airport is located in the Jamaica neighborhood of Queens. It's the only one of the three airports connected to the New York City subway, making it an attractive option. The subway goes to Howard Beach and Jamaica stations, and then you can transfer onto a train called the AirTrain JFK, which will take you to each of the passenger terminals. If you're going to or from Brooklyn or Queens, JFK is relatively close and easily accessible. Going to Manhattan is a different story though. The trip to or from Manhattan will probably take you about an hour to an hour and a half on public transit. It's about half an hour by car including taxi or rideshare, but that's without traffic. If there's traffic, the trip can take up to an hour and a half on the roads. New York traffic is notoriously bad and can have a big impact on your trip regardless of which airport you're using. LaGuardia Airport is the closest to Manhattan and is located on the north end of Queens. Despite the fact that it's the most centrally located of the three airports, it's not connected to the subway system, mostly because of the taxi lobby's efforts a few decades ago. As such, the only public transportation to the airport is a series of bus routes. It takes around an hour and a half to get to Manhattan on public transit, which will still most likely be faster than the other two airports, and somewhere in the range of 30 to 60 minutes by car, depending again on traffic. Newark Airport is located to the west of Manhattan, across Newark Bay. This puts the airport in the neighboring state of New Jersey. Newark also has a train called the AirTrain, and it connects the terminals to Newark Liberty International Airport Station, which is a railroad station a little ways away from the airport itself. From there, passengers can take New Jersey transit trains, which go into Manhattan, as well as some Amtrak trains. If you're taking the New Jersey transit trains into New York, keep in mind that there are two stations named Penn Station, which can be kind of confusing. One of them is called Newark Penn Station and it's on the New Jersey side, and the other is called New York Penn Station and that's in Manhattan. The trip takes about an hour and a half to get to or from Manhattan from Newark Airport. A car, taxi, or rideshare trip will probably take you anywhere from 45 to 90 minutes, again, depending on traffic. Finally, there are some public bus routes and services operated by bus lines, including one that travels between Manhattan and each of Newark Airport's terminals, called the Newark Airport Express. As of the time of publication of this episode, that bus runs around once every 45 minutes for most of the day, with more trips during the peak afternoon hours. So what's the experience like at each airport? Well, let's take a look at the facilities and amenities at each of the three airports. JFK has terminals numbered from 1 through 8, although there's actually only 5 of them right now. Terminal 2 was closed earlier this year, and terminals 3 and 6 have been demolished. Terminal 1 is served by a bunch of foreign carriers, including EVA Air, Air France, and Egypt Air, and many more. I personally find these types of terminals to be super interesting because there's often a colorful lineup of different airlines and aircraft. Terminal 2 was closed in January of 2023. The 60-year-old facility first opened in November of 1962 and was home to three now-defunct airlines, Northwest Airlines, Braniff International Airways, and Northeast Airlines. It was used as extra space for Delta's operations right before its closure, and the facility is slated for demolition. Terminal 3 was demolished in 2014, but the space formerly occupied by Terminals 2 and 3 is getting something new. 
a brand new Terminal 1 is slated to be built in the space, with the first portion scheduled to open in 2026. Moving on to Terminal 4. This is home to Delta Airlines, as well as a host of other airlines. Terminal 4 is relatively modern and saw a 10-gate expansion to its Concourse A earlier this year. An expansion to Concourse B is expected to open later this year, so if you're flying through Terminal 4, you can expect some new spaces and amenities. There's something else quite exciting coming to Terminal 4 as well. It will soon be home to the first lounge for travelers flying Delta 1, Delta's international business class product. United and American already have special fancy lounges for their equivalent travel classes, and it's exciting to see Delta working on a competing lounge. That's slated to open in 2024. Terminal 5 is home to JetBlue. Perhaps more interestingly though, it's built alongside a former airport terminal built in 1962 that's a relic left behind from the golden age of flying. The new and old terminals are collectively known as the TWA Flight Center. The 1962 building sat unused for years, but opened as a hotel in 2019. I haven't had the chance to visit myself, but the lobby and many of the common areas are apparently very cool to visit and are quite well done in terms of replicating the original facility. Like I mentioned earlier, Terminal 6 was demolished. Terminal 7 was once British Airways land and the only airport terminal on US soil operated by a foreign airline. In December of 2022 though, British Airways moved to Terminal 8. Terminal 7 now serves a host of airlines like Alaska Airlines, Ethiopian Airlines, and Aer Lingus. It's also slated for demolition in the coming years and will be replaced by an all-new Terminal 6. Terminal 8 is a massive hub for One World Alliance carriers, with its main occupier being American Airlines and other One World Airlines like Japan Airlines, Iberia, and Cathay Pacific also using the terminal. JFK is home to tons of restaurants, shopping options, and lounges, including an Amex Centurion Lounge in Terminal 4 for eligible American Express cardholders. If you're interested in the glitz and glamour of high-end travel because you're flying out of JFK, there are also many lounges that you can pay to access even if you don't have access by virtue of your ticket, airline status, club membership, or credit card. However, because of the sheer number of terminals, your airport experience can vary greatly depending on which airline you're flying with and by extension, which terminal you're using. Moving on to LaGuardia. LaGuardia has traditionally had a really bad reputation when it comes to the passenger experience. I talked about it more extensively at the beginning of episode 24, but I'll give you the highlights here. The airport was long considered one of the worst airports in the US, with both Joe Biden and Donald Trump having famously used the term third world to describe the facility. A 2017 study found that people were less satisfied with their experience at LaGuardia than any other large or medium-sized North American airport, with complaints that included cramped spaces, dim lighting, low ceilings, and poor cleaning and maintenance. There's good news on that front, though. That reputation has started to change as the main terminals that have stood at the airport for the past few decades have been replaced. Two brand new terminals, Terminal B and Terminal C, have opened over the last few years and are a huge upgrade from the dingy old facilities. In contrast to the cramped spaces and dim lightings of years past, the new terminals feature large, bright open spaces with modern facilities. At the time of publication of this episode in the summer of 2023, Delta occupies Terminal C along with Canadian carrier WestJet. Terminal C is home to the largest ever Delta Sky Club, with the lounge occupying around 34,000 square feet of space. 
Most airlines that serve LaGuardia are, are in Terminal B, including American, JetBlue, United, Southwest, and Air Canada. You may have noticed that I haven't mentioned Terminal A yet. Terminal A is the only older terminal left, and it's also known as the Marine Air Terminal. It's located away from the other terminals on the other side of the airport, and is a historic building that served as the airport's original terminal for overseas flights. It's quite small, but is quite interesting to see, as you can clearly tell that the main part of the building is a bit of a blast from the past. It's currently used by Spirit and Frontier. Finally, we have Newark. Like LaGuardia, Newark has three terminals with the names Terminals A, B, and C. The airport opened a new Terminal A earlier in 2023 where passengers are welcomed by a large modern check-in area featuring high ceilings and natural light. There is modern art and tons of food and retail outlets throughout the terminal. The terminal replaces an old, outdated facility. A number of US carriers and Air Canada operate out of Terminal A. Terminal A doesn't have customs and immigration facilities, meaning that it can only handle arriving flights from airports with pre-clearance and domestic destinations. Unfortunately, old and outdated are terms that are often used to describe Terminal B. Completed in 1973, it's used by most international carriers at the airport. It clearly shows its age and is by far the most unpleasant terminal to use at Newark. Meanwhile, Terminal C is home to United's hub operations, although the airline also uses the new Terminal A now that it's open. Terminal C is exclusively served by United and is a relatively modern facility on the inside, having seen a major renovation project completed in 2016. I hope that gives you a good overview of the main New York City area airports and is helpful for your decision making. There's so much more that I could go into, including comparing flight and destination options from each airport, or going into my favorite amenities at particular terminals, but there was so much to cover that I had to pick and choose what to include. New York is a massive city, and its airport system matches its size, and I hope that this main segment has given you some helpful information for your travels. If you're enjoying Flying Smarter, please take a minute to leave a 5-star review for the show if you're listening on a platform that allows you to do so like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Good Pods. It helps convince prospective listeners and guests and I would really appreciate your help. That brings us to the end of episode 40 of Flying Smarter. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you again soon. <music>